Did you see the little teaser Tuesday I put on Instagram? Mm -mm. I put something on our story just as a little teaser on what my episode's about. Oh my god, I don't want to hear this story. I'm 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 logging out. I'm logging out. I don't want to nope, no. Nope, no. Sarah, I just got the chills. I don't want to be here anymore. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I'm uh, much much more alcohol than we needed. I'm almost done with yeah. this. Okay. Fuck me. Mm. I know. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. <laughs> Mm-mm. That's a fear that I have on the daily. There's one case that I'm thinking about. Ugh. 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 Welcome back, guys, to the Red Rum and Red Wine podcast, the podcast where we talk about murder, mystery, and mishaps. And here's two of them. Here's Kristen. <laughs> here's Sarah. Woo! Are you ready? No, I'm not. Because I just saw your teaser and I'm already shitting my pants. No. Yeah. Uh, oh. Sorry if you hear, like, moaning and groaning in the backyard. It's... Nala. Oh, yep. Great Dane. Good old Nala. Um, yeah, I really don't know how to start this this one, so I'm just going to jump in. Oh, wait, mm-hmm. what are we drinking? <laughs> I have wine, finally, finally. It took like <gasps> 10 episodes, and I finally find myself a bottle of wine. Um, for those who are hanging on to that uninteresting story of me and my mom and that disgusting bottle of wine (laughs) it got thrown down the sink (laughs) because i refused to fucking drink it it just tasted too bad i'm sorry i even i could not it was just no so you both win or you both lose i took a sip of it and it was pretty bad (laughs) so i guess i consider me the loser but but yeah so she opened this new bottle from a winery called Fat Ass, and ah. it's love. It's lovely. It's a lovely bottle. It's day two, and I cannot complain. I like literally sipped it all the way dry. Like I'm already on my last wow. sip. I'm so sad. Sounds voluptuous. Yeah, it's a good. It's a good wine. Can't complain. Can't complain. What are we drinking on your side? I am drinking my pumpkin porter beer from Four Ooh. Peaks. Spooky. It's actually pretty so, good. For a porter, it's not too like heavy. It kind of yeah. is like a lighter one, but has that like really great pumpkin taste. Nice. I already got my pumpkin hand sanitizer out and oh, ready. Look Ooh. at you. We are fucking it is spooky season in this podcast oh, yeah. realm like we don't give a shit i my whole house smells like pumpkin spice and ginger spice i kind of mix the two and it's amazing it um, is 98 degrees but that does not stop me from i don't care pasting. what the temperature is oh no um, it's fall up in here i want to get like a really cute halloween sweatshirt so i have one actually in my amazon cart right now i'm thinking about it 
Oh, cute. Yeah. We'll see. I'm just definitely uh, in the spirit. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. Let us know what we should do for Halloween because we should so definitely many do something. So many good, like, possibilities. Yeah. So many options. Let us know. Let us know. Yeah. But... Oh, spooky and scary. Um, I really don't want to hear this episode, but here I am, yay. unfortunately. Um, so I don't know about you, Kristen, or any of our listeners, like if y'all have ever heard an unexplained strange noise in your house or home, or have you ever looked up into your air vent and just thought or wondered that there could be something or someone staring back at you? Well, no, but I have a best friend that fucking last episode told me there was a fucking ghost moving a pink sweater behind me, so... Oh, uh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Get you a Sarah if you don't have one of those. I always joke about the man living in my attic, just because, like, ever since we moved into this house, it's a bigger, you know, it's not big, it's not huge, it's four bedrooms, though, and there is an attic with one of those hatch doors that we've never oh been God, into. That moaning is the man. I know. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> we've never gone up there, but whenever I hear noises, I always say, oh, it's the man living in our attic. So it's just always been a running joke. Like, I don't think there's actually someone living up there. Yeah, okay, because I was about to say I'm officially canceling any and all plans I have to go see you. You never fucking told me no, this running yeah. joke. <laughs> it's just a running joke that I created because... Um, it's probably an actual fear of mine, so I just yeah, joke just, about it constantly. You just need something light to cover up the <laughs> fact that there may be actually someone living in your attic. Yeah. So the topic I'm going to be talking about today is people living in walls, crawl spaces, or attics of your home. People as in like you're going to talk about more than one instance? I'm going to go over two. So the oh, first case I'll be talking about. What? Fuck up out of here. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Just because there are a lot of different stories. Um, I wanted to just kind of throw two out there. One, the first one's going to be a little more brief, you know, just to get our toes wet. And the second one, I'll <laughs> go more in depth. And uh, that's when They're we'll. They're fine dry. <laughs> nope, my, my toes are fine dry, thank you. That's when I'm going to seal the deal for y'all. <laughs> oh, God. So I'm going to creep y'all out today, okay? So the first case, the brief one I'll be talking about, is um, about a woman named Amber Dawn. I'm not completely sure when this happened. It happened more recently than the next case I'm going to talk about. And the article okay. for this this one was released in 2017, and that a lot of times doesn't mean anything as to when it actually happened, but it is more recent. So Amber Dawn was 20 years old when she moved out on her own into a one-bedroom apartment in Enumclaw, Washington. On her first night in her new apartment, Amber was laying in bed when she heard footsteps above her in her attic. But mm. she brushed it off as to, you know, being in a new place and, you know, mm. just all of that. At the same moment when she was laying in bed, she noticed that above her bed on the ceiling was a hatch door that led to her attic. Well, hell to the no, no, no. And she took note of this, obviously, but she never went up there. She was like, no, nope, I'm just going to stay away. I'm already crying. Yeah. Can we <laughs> 
Amber worked three jobs, and so she wasn't home as often or much, but she noticed weird things happening around her apartment when she was home. Cans of soda would go missing. <laughs> I'm literally crying. I can't. This is the worst fear. This is why I've lived at my mom's house until I'm fucking 27 is because I can actually not. Cry. I, I can't. I can't. I can't live alone. No, this is like, no. No. Amber's brother lived about three blocks away and he did have a spare key. So she kind of brushed this off and assumed that it was her brother kind of coming over and taking soda. Mm-hmm. Um, but one day while Amber was at work, her apartment flooded. She had a puppy that she kept in her bathroom while she was away. And so when she came home from work to find her apartment flooded, she found her puppy in the bathroom sink And she described that there was no way that the puppy could have gotten up into the bathroom sink by itself. Like, there was just no way. So, kind of weird. But, again, she brushes this off and thinks maybe when somehow the puppy got in the sink. No, if you are living somewhere and there are, like, too many coincidences, like, you just, it's okay. It's okay to act like that crazy fucking neighbor and just call the cops and be like, hey, my bowl of cereal moved. And it, <laughs> <laughs> it's That's not fucking right, okay? Uh, someone needs to come check this out. That's the thing about this shit is like, imagine it happening and make you feel so crazy. <laughs> so paranoid, man. It reminds me, there's this one horror movie with fucking uh, 13 Reasons Why, remember? Uh, Sarah and I saw him at ACL because oh, yeah. he's in a band. Uh, he's in this uh, horror movie called Open House, where the parent or it's like him and his mom live in this house, and they are trying to sell the house or whatever. And while there's an open house, someone like literally goes to I guess view the house, but then they never fucking leave. They like stay in the house the entire oh, time. Yeah. So it's like little shit. Like uh, one of the things is like his fucking bowl of cereal moves, or like his glasses mm-hmm. would move places, and there would be little things where he would be like, "Oh my god, someone's in the house!" But then like both of them, spoiler yeah. alert, sorry, end up getting fucking murdered, and it's just like, "Oh my god." Yeah. Ugh. Crazy. Ugh. So, after living there for about six months, for the first time, Amber kind of broke her routine and came home early one day from work because she wasn't feeling well. So, that night, she takes a bath, and um, apparently, I think she got home at like 7, around 11, she, she takes a bath, and while in the bathtub... She can see her bedroom. She looks over at her bedroom ceiling, and that ceiling door to the attic is open. No. No. That is the most vulnerable spot to notice that shit. Seriously? No. Uh -uh. Uh-uh. So, she kind of assumed that whoever was in her home was at that moment hiding in her closet because she felt like maybe, you know, she came home early and they got stuck to where they couldn't get back into the attic and so they just hid somewhere and she didn't notice until later. So she assumes that they're hiding in the closet. So she gets out of the bathtub, puts a robe on, 
and quietly but fucking quickly runs, you know, through her bedroom, past the closet, into her living room area, and she grabs a hammer. (gasps) She calls her sister-in-law, and she says, someone is in the house. Bitch, call the cops. I know. So her sister-in-law gets there within a few minutes because she did live close, and then that's when they call the police. Okay. And, but by the time the police arrived, whoever was living in Amber's apartment was gone. All that was left behind was a sleeping bag, a book, and some food all in the attic. Oh, it's like that one, um... That one fucking video that was going around the internet where the dude was living at home and I guess he, like, noticed some shit moving around. So he put the night camera and you fucking see a girl (laughs) climb out of the fucking air vent. She, like, drinks his milk and shit. It's just, I think the fact that the, the thing that just really solidifies the goosebumps that are currently continually running through my body is the fact that, like, the fucking entrance was right above her fucking bed. Yeah. Like, I just, it, it's the, if this dude wanted to be a creepy night stalker or if this dude even wanted to, like, have the inkling of being, like, a malevolent force, like, oh, wait, it, oh, ooh. Mm-hmm creepo so obviously amber moved out the next day (laughs) yeah good for her good for her yeah good for she did that right (laughs) yeah so props to her um and so just thank you amber for sharing your experience um it's that's just wild you know so um she did i didn't like write this down so this is verbatim but she did mention how she felt like whoever it was obviously didn't want to hurt her or they would have. Exactly. Yeah. So she was just like, at least thankful for that. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's like, so, and that it was open and that's how she found out. Like, yeah. If that person wanted to do harm, it would have been that. Yeah. And she said that she wasn't sure how they would have gotten into her home, but she did sometimes leave her window open for her cats. Um, She had a spare key that they could have, like, found and made a copy of. Who knows? So it's um, it's just wild how it is a little more common than I think we like to think. Yeah. Um, But this next one, I think, is really going to blow you away. (laughs) I'm probably, I'm probably going to cut this one out, but there's, I just like, because I literally have so many stories about this fucking happening. Yeah. There was one, I think I saw it on Reddit where like this mentally ill person and it is such a thing where like it always fucking happens when they're going to like do laundry or shit like that. Like it's happened in plenty of horror movies, but it's happened in instances of real life too, where like you leave to go to your car to go do laundry real quick that's in another building and it takes like less than five minutes so you think oh no one's gonna be in my front door or whatever and so they were doing that and I guess a person was able to like get into the house that way because when they get back in they like 
for whatever reason, they dropped their phone or something, but they noticed this fucking person hiding under the bed with, like, a fucking knife Ugh. that they took from the kitchen. And so the person goes into the bathroom and pretends to, like, get in the shower, like, turn on the shower or whatever, and they open the window and fucking climb out of the apartment that way and call the cops. And the cops get in and they're like, you're lucky that you called us because, like, outside of the bathroom door was that person fucking, like, holding the knife. And it's like, I read that on Reddit and I'm like, that's fucking fake because it's just, like, too good to be true. But fuck if something like that really fucking happened. Like, oh my fucking god. Mm -hmm. Dead. Dead. Ugh. Oh my god. The person was just, like, really mentally ill. Yeah. But it's like, fuck, man, even if you leave your house for a fucking second, lock your goddamn door. Maybe I'll leave that story in. I don't know. But, oh, just lock your fucking goddamn doors. Yeah. Fuck. Lock your doors. Ugh. Yeah. This is why you can't have a conversation with me in a bar, because I just tell you <laughs> five, five stories that pop in my head about how all these people have had something terrifying happen to them. Yeah. Sorry. It's a whole thing. Mm-hmm. Daniel Danny LaPlante. This is the one I think I'm fucking talking about, and it's <laughs> I don't like this case. It really just fucking it it irks me in all of the wrong ways. It's just it's all around just, fucked up. Dude. It's just all around like it's a fucking horror movie. I say that every fucking time, but it's just like these cases are literally what movies are made out of. Yeah, because I it, mean, this. What the fuck? When you hear this, what the fuck? I was going to bring up this case, but I had a feeling. I, I know. Had a feeling. Oh, as soon as you I, said, I didn't, yeah, I was like, this is probably. I didn't the one. want you to do this one, but sorry, oh, no, it's sorry. just like you gotta do it, man. It's it's creepy, guys. If you <laughs> haven't heard this one, oh my god, turn a fucking nightlight. Well, on, oh my god, please. now that it's I bad. stole one of Kristen's stories, hopefully I do a good job. It's bad. I, if you <laughs> didn't do it, man, I was gonna fucking do it. You got it planted in my head. I'm glad. Now we can chit chat about it. Yeah, because I wanted to cover this topic I was gonna do a few different stories because a lot of the ones I was coming across are shorter not a lot of details um but then I came across this one today and I was like this is the grand baby I remember hearing about it and then or like seeing about it a long time ago and then seeing it again i was like oh my god it's meant to be so there's a uh did you see the reenactment that they did on it's the same your worst nightmare yeah it's the same one that did the carrie swenson case yes so a lot of my Mm -hmm. information does come from the episode from your worst nightmare that i watched on hulu but it is the investigation discovery series yeah yeah. They do a great for it being a like a remake or them doing whatever that the word I'm trying to think of that people are yelling at me right now. Reenactment. Uh they do a pretty good job of like entertaining you while watching it. Yeah. Because I got like I remember watching it, I was like, Oh my god, I'm scared. I know, yeah. They did a pretty good job. It wasn't too cheesy, like No, yeah. It's it's definitely a good watch. Like I remember folding laundry and it, there were definitely moments where the laundry was paused and I was just totally engrossed yeah. with what I was watching. Ah. So, def- <laughs> for sure recommend. Uh-huh. Recommend. <laughs> so, Daniel LaPlante uh or was it LaPlante? I'm going to say LaPlante. Um I think that one's right for sure. LaPlante yeah, okay. Laplante. That just doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, 
I mean, out of the. You out never of the know. You know when 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 you say Laplante, it, it, just, it just doesn't roll. Okay, off well, the it, it definitely helps to have another person's perspective because <laughs> you know what you got. You got semi sober Kristen here, and Not it only long. took me three times to pass college English. So the English, so we got this. Daniel went by Danny, so I'm going to call him Danny. Danny was born in 1970 in Townsend, Massachusetts. So for this story, we are in Massachusetts. There are little details about his childhood, but we do know that he suffered some trauma or traumas. Um, Daniel's father tormented him with his punishments It was often sexually, physically, and psychologically abuse towards Daniel. Daniel struggled both socially and academically in school. He was dyslexic, so that didn't really help much. Mm -hmm. Um, But he didn't have many friends, and most of his, like, schoolmates referred to him as creepy or weird. In his early teenage years, he got referred to a psychiatrist by school officials because he was just neglectful towards his himself, practically his self-improvement, his appearance, his hygiene. So during visits with this psychiatrist is when he gets diagnosed with hyperactivity disorder, attention deficit slash hyperactivity disorder. I think hyperactivity disorder just makes it sound a little worse, but... So hyperactivity disorder is almost like... ADHD. So um, it includes attention difficulty, hyperactivity, and impulsiveness. So Danny already had a deteriorating mental state. It was kind of clear on his, um, you know, how he didn't really take care of himself. So this diagnosis didn't really sit well and um it just made him feel I think worse about himself so well I and also I forget when this is but um it's definitely a time where I feel like even to this day when people are slapped with a mental diagnosis they're just like oh I'm fucking defective something's wrong with me or society tells them like oh something's wrong with you which is not the fucking case and like fucking everyone has something wrong with them so it's just like judgy ass people. We're in the early 70s because he was born in 70 and um, at this point he's an early teenager. You're in like a way judgy ass society. Like it's it's gotten better now where it's not where it needs to be. But definitely back then like you couldn't have anything wrong with you. Yeah. Daniel continues to see his psychiatrist who was a man. And um, he was described as like a gentleman that. Daniel looked up to because he was the only other strong male figure in Daniel's life because, you know, his father was abusive. So, yeah. unfortunately, it took a twisted and dark turn when his psychiatrist made sexual advances toward Daniel or Danny. Oh, shit. This was followed with sexual abuse during their sessions for about a year following that. Oh, my God. Dude, it... 
What the fuck is it with doctors abusing yeah, people? Yeah, someone who Danny looked up to that he thought was supposed to be helping him and guiding him. Oh, stay tuned, Mama. I can't tell you one, but stay tuned, Mama. Ah. I got a story for you. Ah. Oh. So, obviously, this added an, a whole other layer of trauma for Daniel and um, this just obviously all carried with him as he continued to grow. Yeah. And Daniel was a minor when he first encountered the law. So, And I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. When was uh, Danny... How old was Danny when all of this stuff with the doctor was going on? Like early to late teen? Early teenager. Early teens. Yeah. So like before 15, I think. Yeah. 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 Um, Daniel was a minor when he first encountered the law, and throughout his teenage years, his crimes focused mostly on burglary, but, you know, progressed to get worse and worse. It started out as petty theft and, um, evolved into him actually breaking into people's homes. So, by 15 years old, he was fully breaking into people's homes and not only stealing things, but making it clear that someone had broken in by moving or rearranging items in the house. And he would even leave things behind some things just to, like, leave a trail and make it obvious someone was there. It is so gross, though, <laughs> how the human brain just, like, totally ignores that shit. I know. Right? Like, honestly, though, I know because... Listen, trust me, as a listener, I understand the feeling of being like, oh, of course, hello, I listen to true crime podcasts 24-7. I would notice if something in my house went awry. You know how fucking often you, like, lose your phone or, like, fucking lose an AirPod? I lose like, everything. You, would, you wouldn't notice if something, like, so, it, it's just... It's, I hate, I hate that about us, about humans, but, like, little shit like that is so easy for you to just either brush off, or if you do notice, your brain is going to put you at ease and say, like, no, it's just, you moved it and you don't remember. It was you being on autopilot. Right. And I don't know, I'm torn, because part of me thinks I'd notice if something was weird, but the other part of me is, like, I wouldn't second guess myself. The realist. The realist is like you I wouldn't doubt if I, I would, fucking did something weird and left it like I would that. hate I hate I hate that I wouldn't notice but I know that I wouldn't notice because like there I do that shit all the time it's like if I was eating a bowl of pasta and I like left the room and a stranger decided to go and put it on the bar yeah. like a stranger living up in my attic and then like go back up into the attic and I come back out like it is so easy for my brain to totally dismiss that and be like no when you got up to go to the bathroom you had the bowl with you and that's why it moved like it's <laughs> your brain your brain just so easily wants to like push down those like feelings and oh my god i'm like that's yeah, why i'll kind of make it away with so many people miss getting going missing in national parks you know because it, it, we just push those feelings down yeah yeah because you'd, you'd rather believe sometimes the latter and not the actual possibilities of weird shit but uh 
Danny Boy got off and enjoyed screwing with people. Literally got off on tormenting people. Because none of them noticed, I bet. Sorry, that's what I was trying to get to. Oh, well, I don't know. Um, I think they would, only because he would burglarize at the same time. Oh. And he would make things obvious on purpose. He Like, he would feng shui the place and shit, so. Completely move around. Um, I don't know exactly, like, to the extent of that stuff, but he, yeah, he would fuck with shit, like, majorly. It, like, straight out of a movie, the shit he did, like, what I'm about to get into, straight... <clears throat> In the fall of 1986, so when Daniel was 16, he had gotten the phone number to the Andrews household. Uh, There are a couple of different stories or theories as to how he got their phone number. I didn't really, like, read too much into it because he literally could have, like, looked in a phone book or... It, it's pretty easy to get someone's phone number, but there were theories. Yeah, because they had the yellow pages back then. Yeah. And like, you have to... Th- the 70s, like, we... They didn't have cell phones. They didn't have, like, literally getting someone's number was way easier than yeah. it is. But there yeah. were just wild theories about how, like, oh, he broke into the Andrews home and got their phone number that way. And then it, it's like... I almost wanted whatever. to say, didn't they meet online? They Online didn't exist back then. <laughs> but... Yeah, because, yeah, I'll let you get into it, but. Um, so the Andrews family consisted of either Frank or Brian Andrews. So in the episode of Your Worst Nightmare, I'm pretty freaking sure they say Frank, but in online sources, they say Brian. Mm-hmm. So, um. I really don't know which one I should say. <laughs> I'll just say Mr. Andrews. Yeah, I don't know. So, uh, yeah, don't yeah. Know. it was Mr. Andrews and his two teenage daughters, Annie and Jessica. I do know that Annie was about 15 and Jessica may have been like a year or two younger. So, Deborah Andrews, Frank, or Mr. Andrews' wife and the mother to Annie and Jessica had recently passed away from a long battle with cancer. So now a single father, Frank was spending more and more time at work as a bus driver to support his family. And uh, because of this, Annie and Jessica would often stay home alone, you know, most of the time. Because um, they were teenagers, it was like, okay to do that. They were all just pretty much trying to pick up the pieces after Deborah's death, you know. Um, Mr. Andrews is trying to support his family, and the two daughters are just trying to go on with their lives and be teenagers. Yeah. So one day, the Andrews home gets a call, and I believe Annie answers the phone. It's kind of unclear, but... On the other end was Danny LaPlante. Danny claimed he got their phone number from a friend that went to the same school as Annie and Jessica because he claimed that he went to another local high school in the area. 
Yep. So regardless of how he got the number, that's how he claimed he got it. Yeah. Which I, like, back in the day, I guess would be a super... That's basically like how it was the common day or that was the olden day. That's how you get in touch with people. You either knock on their door or you call them. Exactly. It'd be like, hey, I was at your high school because I'm friends with so-and-so or like I was at a game and I saw you and I thought you were really cute. And my friend said, yeah, that's (laughs) so-and-so. So here I am. Hi. And she's probably like, oh, my God. Yeah. I remember being a teenager. Fucking, I remember being 14 and staying up, chatting on AOL. Like, I could totally, totally imagine me in the 70s. A random boy calling me on my phone and I have no idea who it is, but he says I'm cute. Oh, I'm hooked. Hell yeah. And obviously, I I believe this was a nice little, not distraction, but something to lift her spirits after her mother's death. Oh, yeah. Death. You it have was, someone complimenting you. Know, attention you. and... Yeah. So both someone wants to, someone like took the time to like stalk to you a little bit yeah, and like yeah in. find out who you are and you're like ooh I'm wanted <laughs> yeah I'll stick with it. It wasn't just Annie who would talk with Danny, uh, Jessica and Annie actually would strike up conversations with him and they both ended up talking with him several times over the course of a few weeks. But Annie and Daniel specifically ended up having more of a flirtatious relationship. So they really got to know each other better, obviously, over the phone, over the course of those phone calls over the few weeks. And And did you say why Danny specifically targeted this house? Sorry. um, No, I was going to mention it. I didn't put it in a bullet point. Because that's just another one of those things that there are a few different stories or theories about. Yeah, so I was going to mm-hmm. bring it up later, uh, but I really don't know. Because I know we just say, like, he says he's a random friend, but I, I really do wonder if it's something where, like, maybe he was just, like, walking down the street, saw them, yeah. and, like, did I mean, we can just talk about it now her. because I really don't know if I'll remember to bring it up again. Um just one of the theories is that um, I read somewhere that Annie's dad tutored him in something, and that's oh. how he figured out who she was. I read that's some, an interesting theory. Yeah, I read something about how he noticed her somewhere one day out in public, and that's that's what I would assume it to be yeah and that's how he figured out who like how she who she was um but yeah that was one of those gray facts it's up to interpretation yeah it's really up to interpretation and just when you find out what happens in my mind i was like i don't (laughs) even fucking care how he chose her it's just (laughs) i'm sorry unnecessary probably that a lot throughout the night it's fine (laughs) It's my stomach. I'm hungry. <laughs> hungry for more white claw, please sponsor. Dot com. Um, hey. <laughs> Danny claimed he was athletic and captain of the football team. 
He said he was good looking, blonde, <laughs> and well educated. Which, when you see a photo of him, it's like, okay. <laughs> Boy, you reach it. He just, like, he really had a image in his mind of what, like, he interpreted the, I guess, like, all-American boy to be. And, and it was just like... And this like, is like, what created catfishing. Yes. <laughs> he is, when you look up catfishing, there's a photo of, oh, my God, and just, like, what he does later on. Oh, <laughs> he is... He, if he's not a Leo, I would be very fucking shocked. He's all, he is so dramatic. One, <laughs> the theatrics, this point. Yeah. Y'all will, Ugh. y'all will see. Oh, he's, he's just already creating such a persona for him. I love it. Yeah. Um, well, you know, because of how he described himself, Annie was super excited and enthused to meet him. Hills, yeah. Hell yeah. He's a jock. <laughs> so when Annie and Daniel arranged to go on a date, she was uh, sort of surprised <laughs> as to who show- showed up on her doorstep. <laughs> it's like, what did you expect? Danny seemed to be the exact opposite of the boy she thought she had been talking to. Instead of her expected jock type, her eyes were upon a greasy, dark-haired boy who just looked messy and disheveled (laughs) and literally had no attractive features. No. (laughs) I laughed, honestly, when I read that. I was like, dang, like, none? She was just, like, not having it. But, I mean, like... You didn't even attempt to bleach your hair, bro. <laughs> I'm just like, why you say could've... you were like? What does the blonde have to do with anything? Like, why exactly? Not at least you say you're brunette. Like, exactly. Like, if you are going to reach, like, reach within your limits. Like, <laughs> at least, at least make yourself attractive within like the features that you already have. You know, like hair color. Hair color. I mean, like, that's like, I don't, I just, that's maybe the one thing, like, what did, I can just imagine, oh, sorry, you know, I just fell into some fucking, yeah, I fell into some box dying. This is just how it came up. Well, I don't know if Annie was just, like, really nice or something, because although, although she was, pretty fucking shocked and maybe a little <laughs> blindsided annie goes with danny on the date um this is this another... is also the 70s yeah and this is another thing that was kind of unclear in the sources they either got ice cream on their date or they went to the local fair either way they're on the date for about an hour before annie kind of starts to make some excuses and goes home yeah. I think she was a little put off because during their date, Danny learns about Annie's mother who had recently passed away, and he apparently took a really weird interest in this. <gasps> Annie would later <sighs> say that he pretty much grilled her with questions about her mother's death, like asking how much Annie suffered and how she felt at the moment of her mom's death. 
Okay. One. Yeah. No. I would. Mm. You just don't. Okay. I. 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 I want to <laughs> say you just don't ask that, but I feel like I'm just stating the obvious. Yeah. So it feels like what's the point of even saying that? Yeah. But dude, it's like uh, maybe we should have a how to talk to people 101 class that we teach in like pre-K or something because like. <laughs> There are just some things that people say, and I'm really curious as to where they thought that it was okay for you to yeah. say that. I mean, I'd say some shit, but not going to lie, my social cues not are bad. pretty off myself after COVID. And yeah, whatnot. but I don't, I've, I've been around you for, <laughs> I, I don't want to say the wrong amount of years again, so I'm going to say I've been around you for quite some time. I don't think... I don't think you've said anything quite like that. <laughs> you you've said some stuff, I will admit, but it it's not it's not as bad, I don't think. You know what? It doesn't make you sound creepy. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, so super weird and obviously needless to say Annie was not up for a second date. <laughs> <laughs> Annie assumed she would never see Danny again. She pretty quickly forgot about him and just kind of like, he never really meant anything, so it was easy to It was not just like a weird care. catfish date. And <laughs> yeah, yeah she got gonna... over it pretty quick. So, life went on for her and her sister, you know, like, not very long. Um, they didn't, okay, like, they didn't die. I'm not saying that as if they died. I'm just saying we're not going fast forward in time very far. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, whoa, wait, what? Sorry if that was confusing. Anyways, um, you know, a little bit of time goes by. <laughs> I think you said it right. Okay. I think you're over-describing. Again. <laughs> I didn't want to say again because I love you and I'm supportive. <laughs> you can never do too much because I always love how you do it. Oh, thanks. Perfect. So, Annie and Jessica, they're trying to, you know, again, pick up the pieces, live on. But still at the forefront of their lives was their grief for their mother. So, one night in June of 1987, Annie and Jessica decided to try and conjure and communicate with their mother by doing a seance in their basement. Hmm. You know, it's the 80s. They had never done a seance before, but this was... You know, out of pure teenage curiosity, they weren't necessarily expecting much from it. And like I said, it's like, the when 80s. Was the whole, so, when was the whole Satanism a thing? Because I'm sure, well, not Satanism, but uh, Satanic you know, like the Panic whole... started early 70s, I believe. So, it was a little common for teenagers to kind of mess around with. So, I mean, the whole reason ultimately for this was. They really just wanted to try and talk to their mom. That's all it was. So yeah. Um, during the seance, they like I don't think they used a Ouija board. They were using a crystal and like candles and stuff, and they were asking questions, and nothing really happened. But almost immediately after the seance, that same night. Weird shit starts going down in the Andrews household. Annie and Jessica start to hear rhythmic knocking on their bedroom walls. And they immediately believe that their seance was successful and that their mom was trying to communicate with them. 
That same night, the sisters started to talk to the spirit that was knocking. They'd ask questions and get knocks in response. They'd be like, Mom, is that you? And then it'd knock, you know? Fuck that, man. Oh, my God. Okay, first off, if, like, I were to ask my walls right now, hey, knock for me, like... I know, but knocking is I, I was know. a big part of the spiritualism movement. It even is, though it was all phony. <laughs> and I know and I know that they think that this is the spirit of their mom, but and I know that they are teenagers and teenagers it's just like we thought that fucking Edward Cullen watching us sleep for months on end was hot. Like I get it. I get that the thought process is a little different, but oh my gosh, if you were to fucking tell me that something were to knock back at me as a 27-year-old, I would shit my pants and burn the fucking house down. Oh yeah. I mean, they were a little amused at first and was like, oh my god, our seance worked, but the weird shit didn't stop at the oh knocking. Oh witches. <laughs> Eventually, objects in the house started to disappear or mm. items would be scattered or thrown about the floor. You're like, okay, take my witchcraft back now. Yeah, literally, by this point, the Andrew sisters started to believe that whatever they conjured was something evil haunting them and not their mother. Well, like, when did the exorcism come out is all I want to know, because, like, that's the plot for it right there. Yeah. It just, like, ugh. Demon. So after shit started to escalate, the girls told their father about all of this, but apparently their father just assumed that grief was causing his daughters to kind of act out and or make stuff up or create the ruckus and the messes around the house. Um, He was working most of the time, so he wasn't here or home. He wasn't here. Mm -hmm. He wasn't home most of the time so yeah most of the activity did happen when annie and jessica were home alone aside from the knocking and random objects being missing or strewn about lights would flicker on and off lights would be on and randomly be turned off or vice versa they would find objects rearranged in positions or places that they knew were different from before the doorbell would ring, but no one would be there when they went to open the door. Ugh. On one particular evening, when Annie and Jessica were home alone, you know, of course, they started to hear an incessant tapping noise, and it would not stop. Instead of, you know, a knocking noise coming from the walls like they were used to, this tapping noise was coming from below them in their basement. Nope, 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 nope. This story, I can't, Sarah, it's too late. Nope. Nope. They're brave because they grab a large kitchen knife. Yeah, they are. I wouldn't have done that shit. Yeah, they grab a large kitchen knife and they make their way towards the noise. When they get down in their basement, they are horrified by what they saw. On the basement wall, written in something red that looked like blood, was a message that read, I'm in your room, come and find me. <gasps> Fuck? No. No. No! 
Goosies, 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 goosies. I'm five degrees cold. Yeah. Er. They freak out, as one should, and yeah. they call their father. Um, he apparently calls the police. They, they come out. The girls tell the officer about the tapping noises and everything that went down. And so when the officer takes a look at the message on the wall in the, in the basement, he discovers that it was written in ketchup. Okay, so good. it can be a little relieved. Um, and as they swept the house, no one was found in the house. So again, Mr. Andrews basically chalked this up again to being, you know, the mental state of his daughters after the death of his wife. Nor he or the officer that came out that night were, like, really believing the girl's story at all. Which fucking... One, as a little girl, I can't imagine, because it's the thought of, is this really happening to me, or am I going insane? Is something actually going on to where, like, did I fucking write that ketchup on the wall and I just don't remember? Or is... <laughs> something else going on that can't explain it i think it would like oh, my mind i'd be like i'm going yeah i mean this me. this was clearly frustrating for annie and jessica i mean they knew what they were hearing what they were seeing they knew it wasn't them yet no adults are believing them a few weeks after this incident the girls were home alone again just hanging out and they start to hear the oh-so-familiar knocking and tapping noises. This time, it was coming from behind Annie's bedroom wall. So when the girls enter Annie's bedroom, they see another cryptic message on her bedroom wall. Again, it was written in some sort of red substance. It read, I'm back. Find me if you can. What the fuck? Ew. Like, I... Mm. They are terrified. They run to the na their neighbor's house and they call their dad. Again, he blames the girls and thinks they are fucking around. He, I guess, you know, he's at work. He comes home. He marches into his home to prove that no one was there. And... This is when he notices that things are more out of order than what his daughters had described to him. <sighs> All of the TVs were on in, like, blaring white noise style. And because of this, like, he apparently, I think he asked his daughters, like, were the TVs on? And they were like, no. <sighs> so finally to him, it was clear that someone else had definitely been in the home. Well, because it's like, I, your daughters are playing a sick fucking joke on you if they put all the TVs on white noise. That's just like, that's creepy. Yeah. That's like paranormal activity creepy, and you don't do that, like, mm -mm. as a sick joke. Mm -hmm. If you raised your daughters right, I don't know, maybe if you're a really fucked up family, you would, but. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> I, I would, I would whoop Theodore's ass into another dimension if he did that as a fucking joke. Ugh. 
So, Mr. Andrews made his way up to Annie's room to take a look at the message on the wall, and he noticed an additional message that was added that the girls had not described before, and it read, Marry me. (gasps) This part of the story is also unclear on whether Mr. Andrews went up to Annie's room by himself and all the rest of this shit went down, or if the girls were with him. Um, But in the show, Your Worst Nightmare, it kind of made it seem like he was alone. So, yeah. As he's in her bedroom, his eyes make their way to the other side of the room, and he sees the creepiest shit. A young man was standing in the corner, wearing Mr. Andrew's dead wife's clothing. (sighs) In some sources, it's a white wedding dress, and some it's just clothing. (sighs) A blonde wig, and he had war paint-like makeup on his face. He was also holding a hatchet. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? I'm just curious. It's literally a whole nother level of what the fuck. I, like, I don't even want to know what drugs you're on because, bro, I do not want to take them. That's just, like... (sighs) I'm dying. I'm... This ages me. I need Botox because I just fucking aged a year. The amount of stress that statement gave me. I like, I I can't. God did not make me that dad because I could not handle walking up on that. Are you fucking joking me? Because like. Guess who this young man was, Kristen? No, but like in the show, he he like for a second thought it was his fucking dead. Body. I know in the I show in like... the in the reenactment, it when Mr. Andrews walks into the bedroom and sees the young man. At first, it shows the like, back honey? of the person in the wig, and he's like, "Deborah, honey," and then the person turns around and it's this boy in war makeup. <laughs> it's just a fucking man. <laughs> Okay, sorry. I'm dying. I know. The reenactment. But the fucking, the fact that this is an actual story actually blows my mind. (laughs) Like, how, I'll let you go on before I get into that. So, um, if you haven't guessed it, the young man was Danny LaPlante. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. God, and one of the sources said that. Like, in one of the stories where it said the girls were with Mr. Andrews when they went up to the bedroom, it said that Danny tied them up and continued <gasps> to rummage around the house, and then they all escaped. But fuck up. I did not hear that theory or that version. Yeah, but I'm not sure how true that is, because, like, in the if show... It was true, if it was true, they would have for sure put that in the show. Yeah, because oh, they seem they bring actual people in who worked on the case, who reported yeah. on it, and that was never mentioned. You cannot tell me that they would have not put that in the show if that didn't. Yeah, happen. it does. You know, that's like dramatize TV. things a little bit, but apparently there was a small struggle between um, Mr. Andrews and Danny, but Mr. Andrews was able to escape. 
And when, you know, I think he maybe ran back over to the neighbor's house or something. I don't know. But when police came to investigate, Danny had vanished. He was not there. Or was he? They would soon find out why it was so easy for him to vanish. All of the cryptic messages that had been written throughout, you know, the basement and bedroom had been written in ketchup. And it was kind of assumed that the ketchup was from the Andrews household. So police started to look for clues as to how and why Danny would have such easy access to the house as well as vanishing from it. So during their search and sweep of the house, an officer came across a hidden crawl space that was apparently located behind a cupboard that was built into the wall of Annie's bedroom. But that was another gray area. Like, that's apparently where he was found, but he had other, like, hiding spots and access access points, I guess. So... When the officer opened the hatch door to the crawl space that he came across, he saw Danny LaPlante curled up inside. (gasps) (sighs) I forgot that part. Sorry. It's okay. (laughs) I forgot that part. Oh my god, you cannot. Ooh, no. Danny was removed and placed under arrest. He was 16 or 17. That is the biggest fucking I told you so if I've ever done fucking song. Yeah. One. Ugh. I fucking told you so, dad. (laughs) As you know, you know, they apprehend Danny, but they continue to kind of search the house and in the basement behind the dryer that was down there. There was a pretty decent sized hole in the wall. And (sighs) through that hole in the space behind the wall, it was like a crawl space area. They found lights and food wrappers. In the show, they showed a sleeping bag. And um, I think I read in another source that there were like coins taped to the wall area and just like weird like writing on the walls and so danny the shit that you have to do to entertain yourself when you're fucking living in a wall oh danny was living in the walls and crawl spaces of the andrews home for months (sighs) he could watch the andrews family move about the home through their vents I'm sorry, I'm crying. <laughs> this makes me so uncomfortable. Yeah. Sorry, oh I'm God. sorry. I'm just like such an empath. It like really just, it puts me too much in that situation. <laughs> like, well, out. I mean, seriously, because your home is the one place that you're supposed to feel safe. Oh my god, and that's literally, like, watching, just watching every single intimate moment of your life. Yeah. Because literally, like, no moment 
is safe and I think that just like really like I get goosies when I say that it it really fucks with me and going back to the you know how we mentioned earlier on how your brain kind of just assumes different things oh um, it tries so hard to push that shit back a lot of us would rather believe in a successful seance before believing you had an actual random human living in your house much much rather i would much rather a fucking ghost than a fucking human being like when i first heard this story the amount of time it took me to process it took me to check the walls because i'm like bitch how thick were these fucking walls you're talking about a whole ass human living up in there i know this was like an older house but when i first heard this the amount of times i would check my house the amount of times i freak out i have cats they like to make noises Mm -hmm. to this day i still freak out when they make it's just like i'm sorry there's like a major trigger warning to this episode don't listen to this if you don't want to forever be changed because i feel (laughs) like this this case forever changed me like being come especially with like fucking that shane dawson conspiracy theory with fucking the cameras in like apartments and hotels like oh baby i could do a whole episode on that shit like i don't ever feel comfortable even like in a fucking home i'm like oh my god the fucking realtor put a camera in like i would need to build a home from scratch that's why i'm just like tiny home i'll build it myself no cameras no nothing it's all mine yeah my brain just goes in the weirdest places Yours is a lava lamp. Mine's a fucking volcano. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. I'd say mine can shift from lava to volcano, but most oh, of the time. Mine is like constant. It's like mine. I like to think of it as that um, Yosemite volcano that like at any fucking day now it can just be like the biggest explosion that will destroy the world that's like my brain it's just any day now it will be one of those like life-altering explosions oh great Um, we'll just just wait and see until that day though Um. anywho danny was hit with a slew of charges armed assault in a dwelling armed burglary breaking and entering, and malicious injury to a property. Um, He was evaluated and then sent to a juvenile detention facility. Not much was said on his evaluation, or that I could find at least. But he, I mean, he didn't go to any, yes. Not much was said on the evaluation because they probably fucking destroyed it. I'm sorry, but they fucking do that shit. Yeah. The psychiatrist or whoever, like, get embarrassed because shit blows up after and they're like, oh, go to backtrack. Yeah, who knows? Like, it could have been that. Um, they did that with the, the episode one case where that one fucking, they, like, completely destroyed the records. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it it very well could have been because he's a minor. And also. Oh, that too. But my bottom doll. <laughs> it's probably, you know what? It's probably the minority shit. But I also am saying that. Yeah. Um, and also, you know, he's sent to a juvenile detention facility, not like a hospital, you know, um, and during the process of this whole thing, you know, now that Danny's put away, 
the Andrews family decide to move to New Hampshire for a fresh start. So they start to pack up their house slowly, you know, not like super rushed. But they would get anything but a fresh start. Right away, at least. In October of 1987, the court decides Danny should be tried as an adult for his crimes, which is great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But this also got him removed from the juvenile detention facility, and he was given bond. So his mother bailed him out for $10,000. <sighs> So he was now able and living with his mom and his stepfather. I, mean, I have a few. Okay. Okay. No. Okay. I can't. Okay. I'm not educated enough to make a statement on that, but I'm <laughs> upset. <laughs> it wasn't very long before Danny returned to his thief ways. Yeah, no fucking <laughs> shit. <laughs> Sorry. I knew it, yeah. Uh, He started to break into homes again pretty quickly, actually. Um, It was noted that he stole, like, a gun or something and just various objects. Ew. Just a few weeks after he was released on bail, Danny targets a new family in his neighborhood to torment. On December 1st, 1987... A pregnant woman, along with her two children, ages five and eight, were all murdered in their home. The pregnant woman, 33-year-old Miss Priscilla Gustafson, was shot twice in her bed. Her two children had been drowned, each in separate bathtubs in the home. They were all discovered by Mr. Andrew Gustafson, the husband of Priscilla and a father to the two children. He arrived home from work and discovered his family. so fucked. Oh my god. I can't imagine. The police pretty immediately noticed parallels between this crime scene and the actions of Danny LaPlante. And they're obviously aware that he is out on bail. So they decide to check in on him unannounced. They're like, you know what? Let's go drop by. Danny, you know, lived with his mom. And it was pretty much directly behind the Gustafson home. Wow. Danny had apparently been watching the news and saw the you know, murder of Priscilla and her children on the news. And so I think he was kind of on edge or maybe expecting the police to an extent because his mother answered the door for the police. And when they asked if Danny was home, you know, they they make some chit-chat. She asked why, they, why they're there. And they were just like, we just need to know if he's home. Like, so she calls his name a few times to come to the front door. He's not coming to the front door, and all of a sudden, police see him bolting away from the house, like, out of a back door or something, and into the surrounding woods. In the reenactment in the show, there was kind of, like, a boom as if a gunshot or, like, a 
some noise was made and then you see him running away, but I don't know like exactly what that was. He pretty much just Ugh. dipped. With the fleeing of Danny, police warned the Andrews family because their safety could definitely be at risk. Like, what if they're next? What are Danny's plans? They didn't know. The Andrews family were almost done packing for their move when they received the call about Danny. Oh my god. Over the next couple of days, police get a shit ton of tips, but Danny is still out there somewhere. They're not leading anywhere. So the search for him was literally a manhunt. Um, Police increased their presence, like, greatly throughout the whole town and areas. One day, police get a tip about a possible sighting of Danny at a lumber yard eight miles outside of Pepperell, Massachusetts. I didn't even say what fucking town we were in, did I? Sorry. Oh, my God. Danny was born, what I say, Townsend or something? Well, you said Massachusetts at some point, but that's all I all right. remember. Well, fuck. Where the Andrews lives is Pepperell, Massachusetts, which is... Nice. outside of Boston some ways (laughs) (laughs) shit you know what I also realized and I'm just gonna say this Uh, I didn't say the location of a lot of places in my last case (laughs) you know it's like if we ever get famous, a lot of people are going to come for us because they're going to be like, I love the story, but where the fuck are you talking yeah, about, bro? Where's the research? <laughs> so a shit ton of officers go out to this lumber yard. Uh, they even bring out helicopters to aid in the search. And, you know, like if Danny were to run or escape again, helicopters help out in that. So um, they were searching the lumber yard for a bit when they weren't seeing anything. Until they noticed a shed. Either a shed or a dumpster. (laughs) I did read (laughs) dumpster somewhere. Um, But in the reenactment, it was a shed, okay? And I was going off of the reenactment for most of this because I just feel like maybe it's a little more factual or they don't like, I don't know, whatever. It's just hard to If anything, names are changed sometimes. Yeah. So, um, because Danny obviously wasn't, like, making himself known, he wasn't surrendering, um, officers decide to kind of pull a ruse, a little trick on Danny. They start to pull back, or pretend to at least. They put orders in to make the helicopters kind of fly away a little bit, um, all of the officers on scene, except two, pulled back and kind of like hid and were quiet. And so the two that didn't pull back opened the shed door because they thought maybe if they made it seem like they left or something, like he'd come out. But they end up opening the shed door and Danny kind of steps out from the shadows. They put him on the ground. They arrest him. As he's being arrested, Danny was just laughing hysterically. Ew. 
Yeah. Like, overkill. It just grosses me out. What? Yeah, like, what? what what's exactly the point of that, honestly? Other than just being disgusting. Ugh. The whole town was relieved when Danny was arrested. Yeah. And the Andrews got some peace and moved away successfully. Danny was found guilty on the murders of 33-year-old Priscilla Gustafson, 7-year-old Abigail, and 5-year-old William, and received life in prison without parole. Apparently, throughout, you know, his arrest, his trials, throughout everything, he never showed any remorse. You know, he was described as sociopathic, although there's no mention of any diagnosis, you know. And it's, I'm sure that there was, but it's just, it, oh, this case so much highlights the fact that, like, lives could have been saved, but it's this stupid notion of, like... I don't know if you want to call it bail. I just think it's were like, I don't know. I'm too drunk to properly state my opinion. But <laughs> I just think we're doing a major fuck up between like, we hold these fucking drug dealers. We hold these fucking like people who have warrants <laughs> for parking tickets. Just stupid ass <laughs> shit. We, I just 1. hear 1.3 grams of weed. Yeah, I just hear cases where, like, ridiculous-ass reasons people are held for so long and they're in jail for years or they're doing stupid-ass shit. And, or it's like people rob a car and will go to jail for 25 years, but then you're telling me, like, someone will literally, like, live in someone else's house for a month and just be, like, the creepiest person ever and it's just, like oh, they potentially have malicious intent, but, like, they technically were just squatting or whatever, so, like, let's just let them off on a pass. And then, like, they go off and do that. It's just, like, all of the warning signs are here, but us as society, we're just so fucking dumb. I literally, I don't know what it is about the justice system where it's, like, the justice system is literally the worst girl in the world because she looks past all the red flags. <laughs> so she has the most rose-colored glasses on and she's just like, this murderer, fine. This drug dealer, fucking terrible, man. Like, lock him up for life. And I'm just like, bro. I yeah. This wrongfully accused gets life. This uh, rapist gets a month. Yes. Brown person, life white guy with some weird ass hair that lived in <laughs> some chick's house for a month 10k you're out it's just like fuck bro and then the mom like I don't know I don't want to say choice words about the mom but it's just like let him rot yeah <laughs> I don't know um, it's just like fuck man I don't know this is all it's all one big fail one big creepy fail the creepy it, it, this asshole, I mean, he, I didn't write it down, so I couldn't tell you what he exactly applied for, but throughout his time in jail, he's even applied for parole, even though he's got sentenced to, without parole. He's tried to, you know, submit what you might call it, and 
like multiple and they've all gotten denied and they always do it's like this fucking god complex or whatever that it's like i i literally don't even know what it is it's just like they they think oh not i i'm great not not i i don't even know yeah so as far as i know he's still rotting in jail Um, good (laughs) and so actually there's a pretty new movie on netflix called aftermath and watching that is what kind of uh although i've had a two-year running joke of a man living in my attic watching this movie kind of gave me the idea of going this route with the story if you haven't seen it like go watch it it's it's okay it's a little cheesy but the plot is pretty okay um, but it's nice not to spoil it, but it does end up with like someone living in the walls and yeah. it at the beginning it says based off true events. So I looked up what true events it was based off of and a lot of everything in the movie was true except the man living in the attic. Oh, so, that fucking sucks. Yeah. The best part. <laughs> uh, but so it instead of like the man in the attic it was a jealous person who was tormenting them so yeah that was um the story of the tragic murders of priscilla and her two children and her unborn child as well as the torment of the andrews family and the sicko who tormented them all daniel laplante yeah this one is super devastating in the fact that priscilla and her two kids just were yeah and i even fucking read somewhere dude that there was a third younger daughter in the andrews family but she wasn't close to age to the two teenage sisters so she just was never mentioned but that was just another thing that i fucking read somewhere so Hmm. Who knows? But yeah, this case is absolutely wild. If you have never heard of it, um, good luck sleeping tonight because yeah. it's just like, fuck, man. I didn't know walls could be made that thick. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, depending on the house, that's for sure. My walls are thin. But yeah, yeah shit, man. <laughs> Thank you. That was a scary story gonna have a hard time sleeping tonight i'm going to check under my bed i'm gonna check my closet i'm gonna check my walls check your air vents for those googly eyes mm-hmm. oh <laughs> my god <laughs> Sarah, oh my god there's an air vent in here and it's right <laughs> above me i'm dying okay so i'm gonna grab a stepladder cheers to fucking <laughs> people fingers crossed not living in my air vents <laughs> yeah uh cheers to being aware and if you notice that something is weird or off trust your gut you're not going and crazy burn your fucking house down <laughs> yeah <too. laughs> that's the only way out of it that's the only way out and if you commit murder well it's their fault for being in your walls mm-hmm. <laughs> you're protecting you and your property taxes give them a warning before you light them <laughs> I mean, what the fuck? They're illegally living in your walls. Seriously, what are you... Just burn the fucking house down. I I wouldn't. I can't. I can't. 
<laughs> You're not making me. You're not making me live in that fucking house. I'll claim. I will claim the arson insurance company. It's fine. You know what? I heard a weird noise. How to do it. Okay, bye. So I was like, say the man in the attic burnt your house down. <laughs> yes, the word creepy ghost. <laughs> okay, bye. <laughs> mm.